When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Hello, this is Football Social Daily. Back after another weekend of Premier League action. Happy Monday. There is loads to talk about on today's podcast, which is the only daily Premier League podcast you can get. I'm Jim Salverson. We've got Marley Anderson over there. Hello. Nar McCall over there. <laughs> Hello. And on my to-do list for today's podcast, we're going to be previewing the final match of the Premier League weekend as we look ahead to Arsenal versus Manchester United, which I think we can call the Angry Fan Derby. Now, that's the official title. It looks like there will be additions to Manchester United's playing squad this January, if rumours are to be believed. But are they recruiting the right players? We're asking that question as well. We'll also look back at the last few days, pick our heroes and villains from the weekend action. Plus, we have seen and experienced the future of football. So we'll be spilling the beans shortly and letting you know exactly what that football future looks like. But first we're going to look at one of the Premier League's big rivalries that happens tonight, Manchester United versus Arsenal. Can we still call it a big rivalry? I mean, it's not quite as fierce as it was in the Wenger, Fergie, Keane, Vieira days, but there's still a bit of niggle there, isn't there? I think we joked yesterday on the Premier League review show that it's now gone from the battle for the title to the battle for sixth between <laughs> Arsenal and Manchester United um, and you called it the angry fan derby but both mm. sets of supporters in a way accustomed to success over the last 20 years maybe have a right to be slightly annoyed with the way things are going but that's the way football works it goes in cycles I think teams have periods of success I just think Manchester United have had this glut of success for 20-25 years and this breed of supporter that's come through in that period probably doesn't know how to cope with that, mm. their team not being successful. As for Arsenal fans, I think there's a few gripes with, with Unai Emery. I'm sure we'll hear about that uh, as the podcast rolls on. But when they moved to the Emirates, the promise was that they were going to be playing regular Champions League football, challenging for titles, challenging for Champions Leagues. That hasn't happened. So I think that's where the, the disgruntlement lies on behalf of Arsenal fans. But yeah, I still think it's a big game. It's one we're all going to watch. It's been picked for a Monday night game for a reason. Mm. It's two massive clubs in the English league. Um, I'm excited for it, although not to the extent I would have been maybe 10 years ago. 
Well, let's find out how angry and upset and disgruntled the fans exactly are. Because we've got an Arsenal fan and a Manchester United fan joining us on the podcast. For Manchester United, we've got Jay from Full Time Devils and occasionally from Football Social Daily. Hello, Jay. Hi, lads. You okay? Not Hi. bad, thanks. And for the Arsenal side of things, we've got our very own Fergal Brennan. Hello, Fergal. Hi, Jim. So, right, here's the question to you both. Out of Emery and Solskjaer, which manager is under the most pressure out of the two at the moment? Jay, you can start. Um, well, that's a difficult one. Um, neither of them are how to cover themselves in glory. But I'd say only slightly, I think, Emery might be under more pressure for two reasons. I think a lot of the anger from United fans is aimed towards the board. It's aimed mm. at Ed Woodward and it's aimed at the Glazers. Oli, regardless of his managerial career, is a, is a club legend, and I think that gives him a lot of good grace amongst United fans. And he's still only nine months into the job. I know nine months is an eternity in football, but he's only had one transfer window, and I think the pragmatic United fans amongst us know it was always going to take more than one transfer window to sort out the mess that United were in. So even though I don't think Oli's style is exactly, is exactly high, I think he does have a little bit more credit in the bank, shall we say, with the United fans than Emery does with the Arsenal fans. That's my take on it anyway. I'm sure, you know, Fergal may disagree, but that's, that's how I look at it. I think Oli's probably got a little bit more credit and also the fact that the anger is aimed towards the board. Before we move on to Fergal and get his view, you mentioned the legend status from Skolskar yeah. then. If he hadn't scored one of the most important goals in United's history, <laughs> would he still be in a job as the manager now? I think he would, because I think had they appointed him, in the first place, regardless of whether he's, if he's not scored that goal, I think they kept him on because he's more or less doing what they needed to be done. He's getting rid of, he's got rid of the likes of Lukaku, he's got him off the waist, but he's got Sanchez off the waist a little bit, sort of. I think we're still paying a little bit of that. Hmm. Chris Mullins also got out. He's brought in some, some young players as well, but he had always paid a lot of money for Maguire and Wambasaka. But I think in terms of the owners, they can probably see what he's trying to do and that he's doing the things they need to be done. So they're probably not as upset with him as you'd expect because the results haven't been great, they haven't been good enough. So I think he probably would be in the job, but I don't think he'd have as much leeway as he's been being given amongst the fans. Go on then, Fergal. Is Emery under pressure more so than Solskjaer on this one? Yeah, I think I'd agree with the majority of what Jay said. But I think, as you as as rightly pointed out, this is because Solskjaer is, is shielded by the fact that so much of the fans fire is, is focused at Edward with the board um, and the way that the club has been, been run at the moment. Within that, whilst obviously Arsenal fans will, will talk to you at length about Stan Kroenke and their disappointment with his handling of Arsenal Football Club, it's not the same. Um, Solskjaer's got the perfect shield in that sense. It's similar to the situation with Frank Lampard at Chelsea. Frank Lampard can't be shot at because of his legend status and because he's able to hide behind the, the transfer bandit that Chelsea are suddenly operating in there. Mm. Um, Emery is under pressure, but I think this is... This is a sad state of affairs for both clubs, as Niall pointed out at the start of the show. It's a sad situation for both clubs because at the moment, whilst both managers are under a bit of pressure, Emery probably more, the overriding attitude is, well, what else are you going to do? Because at the moment, who does Manchester United bring in? Who does Arsenal bring in? Because such is the situation with both clubs at the moment and their decline in the last few years. They're now, they're not quite, uh, obviously they're not, top, they're not top shelf for managers anymore when, when the best managers in the world are looking for new jobs they're not necessarily well, they're definitely not I don't think Arsenal I think United still hold a bit more sway because of because of who they are as a club um, but for Arsenal they don't and, and that's that's even more worrying because Emery will be in a position to retain his role because Arsenal will go well what do we do he is our level of manager at the moment I look at 
the situation with Emery. And yeah, it's frustrating the fact that we're not getting the results that we, we would like and we're not progressing and securing a top four spot. But I look at Unai Emery and I go, the level of manager matches the level of team mm. as it stands. And, and, and for me, that, that's a terrifying and bizarre thing to say, but, it, but it's the truth. I kind of think with the Arsenal thing, it is just fans having a little bit of a whinge about nothing. Because as far as a situation, you're financially <laughs> secure, you've got a great stadium. You always said, Arsenal fans said, we want exciting football. You've got exciting football because you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? It's exciting when no one can defend. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, if, if, if excitement is, you know, the potential for a heart attack before you're 40, then yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all on board with that. Um, the, issue, the issue with Arsenal, and I do agree, from the fans' point of view, um, and I'm, I'm quite critical of Arsenal fans because I, I do agree with Jim. They, they don't know what they want. And, you know, and it changes from game to game and, and the heroes change from game to game and so do the villains. But I, I do agree that there is, there is a stability about the club. But the fact of the matter is now Liverpool and Man City have, have pulled away from everybody else. Given the fact that Tottenham have been so inconsistent at the start of the season, United the same, Chelsea the same, Arsenal should be making a statement and saying, look, there's this whirlwind underneath Liverpool and Manchester City. There's two spots to go for. We're as good as anyone else scrapping for that. Let's yeah. let's make a bit of a statement. Let's be... Oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this. and I'm sure Jay will sympathise. Let's be the best of the rest. I'm all choking on saying that. <laughs> it just shows how far these two sides have fallen, though, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, t- nine years it took for Arsenal to win a trophy between when they won the FA Cup in 2005 and then they won it again, I think, 2014. So for a club like Arsenal to go without a trophy it's a long period of time for, for, for that to be the case and Manchester United maybe with the victory in the Europa League and the FA Cup a few years ago have got a little bit more in terms of scope for that but these are two clubs that should be competing for trophies on a regular basis For United as well I think the, the trophy wins almost glossed over the issues you know we, we won the FA Cup and we finished was it six? You know we won the Europa League I think we finished six. It sort of it, it hid the, the problems that were going on because it's like, oh, we've won a trophy, we've won the League Cup as well that year. So people are thinking, oh, you know, we're not doing too badly. We finished second under Jose, but then you, you scratch the surface. We were 19 points behind City, so there was issues there. I think it, it's just sort of maybe it'll been swept under the carpet a little bit because we've had these sort of these trophy wins and these managers who've been able to get a little bit of success, but certainly not the success that you used to at Manchester United, and certainly not the success you want. You know, you want to be challenging for titles, not sort of. Winning the no disrespect to those trophies, winning the league, cutting in the Europa League, isn't what Manchester United should be about. Let's talk about tonight's game. Focus on the matter at hand. Now I'm going to make a bold statement here, Jay. So be prepared for this. <sighs> I think mate. Arsenal are better than Rochdale. So I. Are you going to be able? You're not going to have enough to get a result tonight. It is Old Trafford, but at the same time, you're so short on striking options. It looks like Mason Greenwood's going to make his first Premier League start. Do you think you can get anything out of this one? I can't remember in all my time as a United fan, I've been supporting United for over 30 years, being more pessimistic going into a game against Arsenal at Old Trafford. I always thought we could beat Arsenal. You know, any time under Fergie, if I could beat him, even recently, even David Moyes got a win over Arsenal at Old Trafford. But now... I just don't. I just don't see it coming. I just don't see how we win this game, and, and it pains me to say that because I'm, I'm normally like a bit more positive. But you look at the injuries you've got. You look at the starting 11s, and yes, Arsenal have got issues defensively. They're, they're all over the place. But Aubameyang um, and Lacazette and, and probably Pepe as well. He seems to be sort of coming into his own. They're a real worry for, for me for Manchester United. And 
as you said, you know, you've got a 17-year-old who I rate. I think Mason Greenwood is an immense talent. I think he's going to be at the club and a success at the club for many years to come. But we shouldn't be relying on a 17-year-old who's had, what, two, is it two Premier League starts in his career mm. to, to to lead the line against Arsenal. Because, as you all mentioned, regardless of where Arsenal are at this moment in time, it's still a massive game. It's still one of the, the biggest games of the season. So to be, to be relying on a 17-year-old who's barely played to, to lead our attack is very worrying. There's also talk that Pogba might, might not be fit. Say Pogba out of our midfield, it's bang average. You know, you've got Fred, you've got McTominay, you've got Pereira. They're, they're okay on the day, they're good, but the jury's still out on a lot of them. So, yeah, it's a worry, and I'm struggling to see United winning this. I hope I'm wrong, obviously, but I really am. And as you mentioned earlier, the Rochdale result, regardless of the fact, you know, we, we did have a bit of a, a second string team out, it doesn't do much for confidence. And if we don't get hit the ground running in this game, you can, you can, you're going to feel it in Old Trafford, you're going to feel the crowd sort of getting anxious, which isn't going to help the players, especially if you've got youngsters in the team. You go along with that, Fergal? I think Lacazette's out this evening, isn't he? But you think you've got I mean, a, a, enough in that team to get a victory tonight at Old Trafford? I, I, I do and I don't. When you look at the, the situation, and, and before we started the, the podcast, I had to look at our record at Old Trafford because I thought, come on, it can't be that bad. It's actually 13 years since we've won in the league at Old Trafford. I, I really didn't think it was that long, and that's that dented me a little bit. Um, we should, in theory, this is the issue with, with Arsenal at the moment, in theory, we should be winning. I would say we should be winning this game based on the, the squad that we've got. Yes, as you say, Lacazette's out. But given the fact when you look to the not-so-distant memory, the Liverpool game, the Watford game, I'm not so sure. Even even the first hour probably against Aston Villa, it, it doesn't give a great amount of, of optimism. Just like United, you know, we, we, we you know bullied someone in the EFL Cup last week. So, you know, we, we feel like we're great ahead of this game. But that, you know, that matches over a lot of things. Um I think it's going to come down to the, the attacking players on the pitch that, that we've got. And I think due to Aubameyang, Nicolas Pepe hopefully will start. That should give us the edge. I, I take Jay's point about the issues that United have with, with injuries and Mason Greenwood's uh, likely to start. But again, there's just there's just such a lack of security about Arsenal that I can see Greenwood turning Louise and, and getting a goal or Louise you know, doing his normal trick of just passing the ball straight to Mason Greenwood. Um, so, you know, I, I remember Marcus Rashford's first game, first league game, sorry, for, for United was against Arsenal, and he scored twice and, and made a full out of Lauren Koscielny. So, it's so difficult to have an enormous amount of faith at Arsenal at the back. Given the players that were going forward, I think they'll definitely score. But I, I really, really worry that there's going to be a glaring error from somebody to, to, to give away the farm. Virgil, thanks for coming on, mate. Jay, thanks very much for speaking to us today. That's Jay from Full Time Devils. And Fergal, our resident Arsenal expert, the unique thing being we've got two fans there talking about tonight's game, each backing the other person's team (laughs) to get a victory. We talked about United's striking option then. Very quickly before we move on, there is an exclusive in The Athletic this morning that is claiming that Manchester United are targeting uh, Mario Mandzukic to Mm, come over in January, which kind of does make sense because proven goal scorer, more mature player, etc., etc., but doesn't really fit in with what it would appear Solskjaer's trying to build at United. Could he be the right choice? Uh, he, he could be, but when, you, when you're looking at, you know, like, strikers coming in, he's a 33-year-old yeah. striker, like, a yeah. bit of a journeyman, although he has been at Europe's, like, some of Europe's top clubs, he's been at Bayern, he's been at Juventus, he scored goals wherever he's went, mm. but to come into the Premier League age 33, he might get just overawed with it. He's fantastic in the air and everything, so you, you can use him, but... If you're sort of playing on the counter attack, 
he's not the, he's not your man mm. for that. He could be a nice player to have alongside with Rashford and Greenwood in there, though, sort of yeah, his experience. Maybe, yes. But Manchester United don't need a nice player. They need to get this right. They need to get this striker choice absolutely spot on this January. You've got a they, lot of money as well, it, won't it, it, as well Exactly, because if mm. they don't, it's going to go from bad to worse for Manchester United, in my opinion. They're going to have to really tough it out for the next two, three months until the January transfer window. Because Grimwood, that's a lot of pressure on him. 17 years old. Rashford isn't as prolific. Martial isn't as prolific as Manchester United would want him to be. He doesn't fit in, like what you mentioned, Jim, to Solskjaer's plans because of his age. Mm. He's 33 years old, as Marley says. And although he's, he's been a pr- proven goal scorer, Manchester United need someone with age on their side. Mandzukic would be a short-term fix. Yeah, a quick a fix. Gap, He'd be he? a Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Exactly like Zlatan was a couple of years ago. I think they tried a, it with Falcao, too old. Yeah, yeah. It's not working. So what they need to do is they need to look you know, around Europe and find someone of a decent age who's been scoring goals. But you don't get that in January. There's, there's you, not many of them around. There's not many of them around, but I, I, I've picked up a couple and my, all of these players are under 30. If you're looking in the Premier League, people might say Timo Puki, but he's 30 years old in March, mm. so that's probably not really worth it and he's not been proven long enough. Callum Wilson. He's not finished. He's, he's 29. Not, he's 29. <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, Callum Wilson, 38 goals in 98 Premier League appearances. A possibility, but not prolific. I'm thinking um, there's a lad who plays for AC Milan or called Krzysztof Piotek, who's a Polish international. Um, he and cost a lot He would cost a lot of money. He's just signed for AC Milan. Um, but he's 24. He's got, I think, 11 goals for Milan since January. I think he signed for, for Milan in yeah. the January. So I was going to say, because you need I to be 12 months And he played for Genoa before that, but I don't think he can play for three clubs in the same year. So right. I think he might be might be all right. Okay. But um, he, he played for Genoa before that, yeah, uh, and he was he a good goal scorer. 15 in 15, I think, and then he moved to Milan. And yeah. then he, he just carried on, yeah. like, just banging him in. And Milan are like 16th in the in the uh, Italian league at the minute. Got beat yesterday by Fiorentina. Yeah. 36-year-old Frank Ribery ripped, yes. ripped AC Milan in the arse all the back. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. But, uh, but it was keeping in Serie A. Atalanta got into the Champions League mm. last season. They're in the Champions League this season. Um, Zapata, 28 Zapata goals in four, player, yeah. 43 in Serie A. 28 years old. Again, maybe not as prolific as Manchester United would want. But if you look back and, and, and think back you, you to did. someone like Ruud van Nistelrooy, when they knew their strikers up front in the sort of early 2000s were coming to a close... They signed Ruud van Nistelrooy at 25, who had been absolutely prolific in the Dutch league, came into the English league and carried it on. Doesn't really happen now. Uh, I think the disparity between the two leagues is is even Mm. bigger than it was. But I think Manchester United have to get this next striker appointment spot on. We'll be back in a minute on Football Social Daily. We're going to be talking about our heroes and villains of the weekend and also about the future of Premier League football. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Right, we're going to pick our heroes and villains from across the weekend. Each of us has picked one for each category. And as Marley is a Newcastle fan and we know exactly where (laughs) he's going to pick his villain from, you can go first, Marley. Uh, well, my villain is a, a cabbage called Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> um, just because he's obviously, you know, got whack 5-0 at the weekend. Mm. But, and a lot of people are saying, oh, is it is it the manager or is it the players? Well, well Steve Bruce said it was the players. Well, he said he said there was a lot of nonsense about tactics. He said that they yeah, gave up too easily and he <laughs> yeah. said, yeah. But this is what pisses me off, like... You know, oh, there's nonsense about tactics. You, you, you do the tactics. <laughs> like he doesn't know about tactics. He said, he said in his press conference when he when he started, he, like, he's. I'm, I'm sure he said some, a quote, something similar to, 
I'm not one for tactics. It's like, well, <laughs> fucking newsflash, mate. You need some if you're going to survive in the Premier League. Like, you, you look at the, the lineup. And I was I looked at the the starting eleven before the game, and I was quite I was relatively happy with it because we went back to a back four, mm. which was fine. Um, and then we had four two three one formation, and I thought, right, Miguel Almiron is finally going to play in the number ten role, which is where he <laughs> played the entire, almost all his career at Atlanta. Um, and he lined up, and he was on the right, and I was like, he's left footed, he's on the right. He's never played there in his career. Why the hell are you putting him there? Like he's your best it player. Just as well. made no fucking sense at all. Like Muto as well. Muto's a, a striker, but he played him number ten. He can play number ten, but also he's a bit shit. Mm. So <laughs> let's play Almiron in the number ten. Play Saint Maximan, who's our most talented player, probably. Play him on the right. Play him on the left. Play him anywhere. Don't play him on the bench. And then, you know, obviously it all went tits up when Hayden got sent off for the for the tackle. But I said to you in the in the office earlier, you know, we'd have lost 3-0 if we had 11 men because there just wasn't anything there. And in a short, punchy feature, we're going to cut you quite short, but are you oh, worried yeah. yet? Second from yeah. bottom. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you're going to go down? Uh, if he stays longer than January, yeah. But I can't see us pulling the trigger because... The same old to be honest, from, yeah, it? I don't know. That's another, it's another thing. But I just don't think our board are asked enough to make a decision early. Mm. Like they, they'll let it get really bad before it gets a little bit better. And I saw you on Twitter retweeted or liked a, a tweet mm. from a journalist saying that I think in the last thirteen years Newcastle go down this year. It's the third time in thirteen years under Ashley's ownership. Yeah. Whereas in the previous one hundred and fifteen years they had only ever been relegated four times. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Wow, that's quite telling, isn't it? Yeah. Have you got a hero from the weekend or have you just yeah. sucked down a big hole of depression? <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my hero is quite literally a villain because he plays for Villa. Uh, John <laughs> McGinn, because I just liked it when he scored at the weekend. He had one ruled out for by VAR um, and he scored a few, you know, half an hour later or whatever it was. And as soon as he put the ball in the net, he did the VAR motion and pointed to the to the centre circle as if to say, well, that one fucking counts. And I was just like, that is brilliant. That is great. <laughs> nice. Good work. Right, I'll do mine next. My hero is going to be Aaron Cresswell this weekend. Who uh, s- West Ham bias. Yeah, well, he'd Boring. Not, he'd not scored a Premier League goal since April 2018. And oh, in the last two game, he's scored two goals. And he's kind of solved our left back problem himself but the fact he's got two goals but he's also playing well defensively and Masuaku seemed to be the first choice left back but since he got set off Cresswell has just knuckled down worked hard and he's playing really well in that full back role so I think he deserves to be my hero my villain has to go to Hugo Lloris for his Cruyff turn against <laughs> Southampton don't do a Cruyff turn on your own goal line because if it goes <laughs> wrong you look ridiculous gave the ball to Danny Ings uh, they got the goal obviously it was a ridiculous thing to do I hate seeing goalkeepers doing that even when it works I hate seeing goalkeepers makes you twitchy doesn't it put your foot through it launch it (laughs) even kick it out yeah exactly (laughs) Um, but do you not do you not think it was quite funny because when he did the Cruyff turn that was hilarious he he, he, he just completely missed the ball it should now every time somebody balls us up a Cruyff turn now it should be known as a Hugo Lewis turn (laughs) the only good thing about it was it made Dean Henderson's mistake in 
Liverpool versus yeah, Sheffield true. United not look quite as bad because yeah. Loris was the embarrassment in the goalkeeping world but this weekend just gone. Lloris, after he made that mistake, had a fucking brilliant game. Yeah, he did. He made some great saves, so it's like maybe he should do that every week. <laughs> just shamed himself into upping his game. Yeah. Who are you going for now? Um, well, uh, on that basis, because I was hoping after our midweek defeat at the hands of our South Coast rivals that they wouldn't be full of confidence and go to Spurs and get a result. Mm. Um, so my hero was going to be Harry Kane for bailing Lloris out and getting a result, uh, even with Spurs down that's to 10 men. Good as well, wasn't Well, it? Spurs are a good team, aren't they, when they get it going, mm. but that's what their issue's been recently. Um, but my hero is actually Josh King, because he scored. Uh, and that's all you need to, that's all you need to do, because I'm now Garth Crooks. Uh, you score, you get my team of the week. This level of insight has knocked me off my chair. <laughs> um, he scored against uh, West Ham, as you know, Jim, uh, but he scored twice. One of them was ruled out for VAR. So the second time he scored, didn't bother celebrating. Along Walked straight back to the centre circle, along with the crowd. And for that, he is my hero because he is proving that VAR is destroying football. Josh King has proved it. So he's my hero for that because I'm not an advocate of VAR. I don't think I will be. I'm going to have to learn to accept it. But that is why Josh King's my hero because he's proven that even the players don't like VAR. <laughs> didn't even celebrate. Uh, my villain is Morgan Schneiderlin for his challenge, which went relatively unpunished on Kevin De Bruyne in that game. I haven't seen this challenge. Um, Everton versus Manchester City. Now, we saw Isaac Hayden get sent off for Newcastle, for even though ball. he got the ball, but he went through the ball and he also got a chunk of Dennis Pratt's shin. The referee gives the red card. Robbie Savage said it wasn't a red. Chris Sutton said it wasn't a red. You know, they played football in a, in a different era, mm. you know, 10, 15 years ago. Now you can't get away with it. So the frustration for Newcastle fans is the consistency. If, if Hayden's getting sent off for getting the ball, but also getting a piece of the man, and in all fairness, I think probably was a red card. It was excessive force. But why is Schneiderlin not getting the same punishment? The lack of consistency amongst the referees is quite annoying, I think, if you're a Premier League football fan. So there, my villain would be Schneiderlin because Kevin De Bruyne, he's had two long injury layoffs. He's almost like that annoying player on the oppo- opposing five-a-side team that's so good, you're just kicking him. Because you know he's just going to score goals, so you just kind of kick him. I genuinely think that's it. It's the I only way exa- to stop him. At exactly, the he's, and he's so good this he's year. Brilliant, he's brilliant. And I said last night on the Premier League review show, is he the best player in the world on current form? Well, there's certainly an argument for it. So my villain would be Schneidlin. Uh, I thought it was a shocking challenge, to be honest. Good work. If you want to nominate your heroes and villains, you can do so at our Twitter account at the Sport Social. Where also you can see a little video that's up at the moment, which is about the future of football. Because this week. Myself, Marley and Niall went over to a place called Resil, which is at a secret location in Manchester where Premier League teams are using brand new futuristic technology to help them assess and train pro footballers. Essentially, it works like this. You go into a room, you stick on a VR helmet, you have sensors on your legs and your feet and you get transported into this Premier League training ground complete with supercars in the car park where you undertake a load of drills and they test your reaction, your vision your performance under pressure and gives you kind of a score as to how good you are as a football. Very quickly, boys, because we had a go at this and you can go and check the video out on our social media pages. It's amazing, isn't it? It's an incredible thing to do and the level of technology and the level of insight it provides you is another level. Yeah, it's... it's, When you describe it, it sounds as though, like, will it it work? It sounds like a gimmick. Yeah, you put the headset on and it is... It's brilliant. It's so realistic. It's so like adaptable to game situations as well like analysis as well as actually you having a go as well mm. um and yeah i mean they're the first ones to sort of do it i mean four of the premier league top 6 are using it there's clubs in america using it france and it's just 
a new way of you know testing yourself yeah. what, great. what i found really interesting about it the fact they're using it in the states is because under a certain age i think it's 14 you're not allowed to head the ball in <laughs> football in the united states so they use it to train kids to head footballs even though there's no football there's no contact but tracking the ball in the air mm. the action of actually hitting a header it's fascinating how they do it it's brilliant and i tell you what we had a great laugh doing it and it is good fun but I imagine if you're a Premier League footballer uh, it's serious business because everyone's got a score you get a Rezl score at the end which I think sort of adds up and tots up all of your different areas it's a cognitive test um, I wasn't last in football. <laughs> well, go and watch the video on our social media to find out who uh, who won. <laughs> um, but yeah, to be to be honest, I think that is is part of the fascination with it as well. It's kind of adds that competitive mm. edge because I think the players will want to be competing against each other. But what it's brilliant for is for players coming back from injury. Yeah. Uh, when we were there, the guys at Rezel explained to us how a, a top level Premier League footballer was on his comeback from injury and used Rezel extensively. It just goes to show that it can get you back involved and back in the mind frame of playing football when you're back from injury without actually having to kick a ball physically so the workload and the pressure on your body is a lot less Mm. Um, you can just do it virtually which is you know advances in technology we're all kind of on top of it we think in this industry that we're in but I mean even that was a bit of an eye-opener wasn't it it was like wow this is this is what's next for football and it's exciting it is fascinating go and check the video out you can do it on our twitter page the sports social or you can find us on facebook by searching the sports social and you can see it there in all our glory and find out which one of us came up top was Niall. Mine was last. <laughs> right, we'll see you oh. next time. Wow, low <laughs> blow. I forgot so I'm doing it in blow. jeans. Can't do that. <laughs> right, we'll see you for the next podcast on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.